0: Thanks for tuning in 99 for one is a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for one and founder of the nonprofit endurance leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens.
1: hello and welcome to podcast number 10 uh, on 99 for one. Today we're talking about trip three, but before we get there, I want to say that trip two, near the close of the week, a homeless friend we made by the name of Clay uh, just happened to see, while we were in Ocean Beach, an ABC News crew who was reporting on a flood there that had impacted a bunch of condos. And so he walked over and talked to the, the primary reporter, a gal by the name of Bree Steffen. And when he told her our story, that we were actually looking for a homeless friend and living homeless from the East Coast, she immediately Uh, introduced herself and said she wanted to do a story and follow up and we we were excited because we thought this could lead to some actual promising leads that show us where Ed is. So at any rate let me let me play for you now the ABC News segment that they aired on the six o'clock news and it actually led to a number of leads so here we go. Well if you're in the Ocean Beach area this week right now don't be surprised if someone walks up to you asking if you've seen Ed. BREE Steffen SPOKE WITH THE GROUP OF MEN WHO ARE LIVING ON THE STREETS RIGHT NOW IN THE HOPES THAT THEY'LL FIND A MISSING CHILDHOOD FRIEND. BREE?
2: YEAH, THAT'S RIGHT. THESE GUYS ACTUALLY HAVE BEEN WALKING AROUND SHOWING THIS PICTURE TO PEOPLE. AND THAT'S HOW I FOUND OUT ABOUT THIS STORY. THEY ACTUALLY WALKED UP TO ME YESTERDAY AND ASKED (laughs) IF I HAD SEEN THEIR FRIEND ED. SO TODAY, I CAUGHT UP WITH THEM AND WE'VE BEEN WALKING AROUND AND I'VE BEEN KEEPING UP WITH THEIR SEARCH FOR THEIR FRIEND
3: i question: questioning any you guys seen a friend of mine?
2: It's the question Will Cravens... That guy? Yes. Wait a minute.
3: It's about 6'3".
2: ...traveled thousands of miles to ask.
3: It's me and him uh, a little over a year ago.
2: He came to San Diego from Washington, D.C.
3: I appreciate that, yeah.
2: Looking for his lifelong friend, Ed Pelsner.
3: This picture is from a year and three months ago.
2: Ed's been living on our streets for more than a year after losing his business. These three men want to bring him back home.
3: If I was on the street, I would hope some friend would come looking for me. And
2: they're going all in, walking a mile in his shoes. Living
3: homeless, in other words, we brought no money, no ID, no nothing. We left it all at a hotel.
2: They go where the homeless go, showing Ed's picture, hoping for leads.
3: Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it, bro.
2: A few people have recognized Ed.
3: Praying we find Ed and get him connected back to a home.
2: But there's been nothing concrete so far.
3: Let him know I care about him. Spend the rest of the days I've got this week with him.
2: Then the big question will be will he come home i
3: don't know if he needs anything i've got it if he wants to go home
1: it was that abc news broadcast that led to a number of leads and i've got with me today steve bowman welcome steve thanks will thanks for having me and uh, did you remember we we, we started getting brie was very kind she set up something on the abc news website that allowed people to write in and say hey we've seen ed here or there and all of a sudden for the first time that week we got leads right. that said, We were
4: everywhere that week. We, I think we averaged uh, 15 miles a day walking, checking out every
1: lead possible. We felt like we got so close. Remember, we met a guy who said, I saw him 20 minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> I mean, imagine it's our last night, and we scurried around, ran around, thinking, he was here 20 minutes ago. That was the manager at Denny's, I think, oh, right? Yeah. Another guy on a bike said, I'm looking for something. My girlfriend, I can't find her, but I saw your friend, and... Uh, I mean, we were, we were hitting. We felt like we were right behind we him right on his behind. trail. Two steps behind. It was very frustrating and cause, because we had a flight home. Yep. We hit the plane. We went home. And I tell you, we weren't far into the uh, air between uh, California and Virginia when we said, we got to come back. We didn't know when. That was uh, late September 2015. And we returned in February of 2016. Yes. Uh, much colder at night, and it was me and you and uh, A.G. Uqua uh, and we were all on Trip 3 together. Hey So I just want to ask each of you, what's one thing that stands out to you? We were we were there in February. It was cold at night. I'll start with you, Steve. What's one thing that stood out to you from Trip 3, Living Homeless in San Diego?
4: I'd say it was a very impactful trip. There are so many things that uh, we can highlight, but for me, I think in my mind, I thought coming back the second time that we would pick up where we left off, and I found out immediately that was not the case. That first night, I just felt like it was a lot darker, a lot, uh, the, the homeless had changed over to a new group, and it just seemed a very hardened group. One situation that really impacted me was uh, we were talking to one of the homeless guys uh, one afternoon in a parking lot, and there was a couple in a car that was parked there with a little Girl, probably about three years old, that was uh, getting in and out of the car, running around the parking lot, and noticed that the two parents—I assume were the parents—were uh, in the front seat and literally just probably smoking meth, and they were, you know, high and were paying no attention to the child. And it just, mm. you know, tore at my heart to see this little kid in this type of environment. And I, I still remember that very clearly to this day how that impacted me about the struggles you know uh, these folks living on the street so and that homeless guy happened to be a uh, guy jesse i think uh uh ag you you'll talk about him i'm sure
0: yes yeah so i i think for me actually uh, paralleling what um uh steve and you just mentioned i think right before then we were talking to this you know young kid named jesse and he, he just seemed uh poised uh, he didn't seem like he was he was on any um you know any any drugs or anything like that. He had a pretty engaging conversation with us, and I just recall uh, really just having a conversation with him about his background. and he, I think he said he he grew up in in Connecticut or somewhere in, in Northeast, and he grew up from a... I remember him distinctly saying, "I grew he grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth," but at some point he decided to you know just leave all of that and 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 live in the streets and wanted to feel what it was like to have to provide for himself and. So taken by that that someone would leave the comfort of their home to, to, to live on the streets, but you know he he was very uh, emphatic that he he you know he enjoyed doing that. At some point he was on drugs and he decided to get off the drugs and he became almost like an advisor, like a a, a, a sage counsel for a lot of the his community uh, who were living homeless. And and I and I was just so curious and I asked him. would give the homeless you know either money or cash or or shirts or things off their back but they would never really look them in the eye and really show them that dignity right and and just ask them how they were doing and that was the one thing that he said was probably the most needed that they just didn't have Um, what do you what do you think about that
1: i would concur on on each of our trips When we waited in line for meals when we identified with the homeless uh, it didn't take long we always wore scruffy clothes or grew our beards in and uh, once you look the part i remember ag you won an award you you wore this ripped shirt that was ripped (laughs) down the center from the you know one side of your chest to the other you're the only guy uh, who's ever served on the homeless team with us who i remember another homeless guy said dude that church trash can i offer you my shirt and you you looked homeless <laughs> enough that the homeless guys were pitying you and giving you a shirt. That was pretty nice. But, uh, yeah, no, I do remember that sense of being looked down upon. Steve, when you and I came home, do you remember we had all these leads, these hot leads from ABC News? Yeah. Right? And we were chasing every lead, and we were getting nowhere. Uh, and I remember I had this kind of sick feeling in my gut, what if Ed's dead? You know, we we had talked to one guy who who served uh, one of the churches in Ocean Beach, and he had told us, man, once people go downhill, Um, they um, kind of become, he called them jelly heads or something. And then he he said when they get too wasted, and then he said he usually ended up identifying their bodies in the riverbed, helping the police because he had been serving for 20 years and recognized most of them. And that was my fear. That's going to be Ed. So I remember we started praying, God, can you give us a police officer, somebody who would show us favor? And and give us intel about is Ed alive? There was a particular night we were all cold and we were making our way. We realized that we missed one Starbucks that had already closed, but there was another one open for an hour. So we were legging it like five miles or something to get to the open Starbucks without a car. Yep. And and on the right, we actually saw some police officers. Do you remember that? Yes. And it was it was just getting dark, and they were. Uh, it looked like they were in the middle of an arrest. There was a guy on his knees with his hands behind his head. There was a car there. It was in a gas station. And we, we just had to decide, are we giving up our Starbucks to talk to the cop? And we decided, yes, uh, we're here to find Ed, not a, not a nice hot drink in the cold night. So we crossed the street, and we, we started talking to this one cop. <laughs> I remember There were two cop cars. One guy's like, can't you see I'm in the middle of arresting somebody? Go talk to that guy. So we mm-hmm. went to the car behind, and I said, hey, man— um, And the guy's like, what do you need? And we started telling him our story, and the cop hopped out of the car and said, I remember you guys. Uh, You guys are the ones that I arrested, or that I, excuse me, that I woke up on Ocean Beach on Cliff, whatever, Cliff. Sunset Cliffs. Sunset Cliffs in the middle of the night. Our very first night homeless. It was the same cop. And he remembered us. As soon as we heard the story, he said, oh, yeah, I can help you guys. I just remember that was unbelievable because we were praying, God, give us favor. And we said, well, can you help us? We're wondering if Ed's dead. And he said, well, it just so happens tonight I have uh, with me the uh, chaplain for our uh, San Diego police department. And he hopped out. He was along for a ride along. And he said, "Uh, you know, I'm good friends with people at the San Diego morgue. They won't give you information, but they'll give it to me. And I said, can you call? And he said, they're closed. He said, well, you can call tomorrow. And he, he gave me his card and said, tell them you have my permission that you're actually running a nonprofit, You're here to find your friend. And you they can give you any information. And if they have a problem, they can call me. You remember that?
4: I do remember that. I didn't
1: sleep well that night. Yeah. Because I remember thinking all night. Oh, so I have to wait all night to find out if my friend's alive. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of an unbelievable week. But uh, I, I remember the next day just calling. You two were taking a walk around Pacific Beach. And I stopped to call. I think I orchestrated that because I didn't want to, if I found out bad news, just break down in front of my friends. So I yeah called and they said... Uh, they were very helpful when I, I mentioned when I name dropped the, the uh, chaplain, and then they said, "No, your buddy's not dead. If 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 he was dead, we would know because we have his fingerprints. He's in the system." Yep. And so uh, I was just thrilled. I mean that uh, we 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 got we never found Ed. All the trails went cold, but at least I knew he was alive. Yeah. Hey, what's one thing we learned we could, throw out to the listeners today? Any uh, what about you and me lesson that we could pass along?
4: Well, for me, I thought it's uh, – you. AG kind of hit it on the head with the dignity. It's it's what they strive to have. I mean, it, they want, you know, the human touch. They want to have conversation, and I've noticed that on every trip that I've been on, that they just want to have attention paid to them and, and have conversation and uh, human touch. And not look down upon. And not look down upon.
0: I was just going to say, I, I mean, it it's really um... – you mentioned actually, you, you actually confirmed that, right? So when you talked about the, the shirt that, that a homeless person would actually offer me a shirt because they thought my shirt was ripped, just just goes to show the importance of, of having dignity and the, and the fact that even though they live on the streets and even though they're seen as not having much, that they they are still aware and still notice. Others who maybe are even less fortunate than themselves, even as, as simple something as simple as having a ripped shirt that they noticed enough enough to, to offer me a shirt because mine was ripped. I mean it just I think it just hits the nail uh, right on the head there as well. and I think that was the biggest takeaway for me and then also that the fact that you know we're, we're not that much different f- from them and in the sense that we're all the same, right? I mean, when you strip away everything else, like the material things, We're we're really just a community, and we're we're all searching for community to belong, to be seen. And so I think that was the biggest uh, takeaway
1: for me. I would say a takeaway for me is when you see something you know isn't right in your spirit, do something about it. One of my regrets for that trip in particular was that we didn't do something about the little girl. I wish we had called the cops or social services or something to see that little girl on the uh, tarmac, playing with an old nasty dirty toy uh, why her parents or mother and a dude got high in the front seat just uh, didn't ever never sat well in my spirit i wish we'd done something about it and i think when you see something like that you got to act and not worry what anybody thinks just you know it's wrong yes
0: hey so will uh what are we going to talk about next week
1: that's, that's a great question. We got, we got a little surprise for you next week. Uh, as we closed out Trip 3, we didn't find Ed, as I said, but uh, there was kind of a, uh, you know, what do we do next? So uh, we'll surprise you and, and tell you what happens uh, next week when you tune in to uh, Episode 11. So Till then, signing off. Thank you, Steve and AG. No problem.
0: You've been listening to 99 for one, a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for one and founder of the nonprofit endurance leadership. Thanks for listening.